righty. If I could have your attention, we'll go ahead and uh, get started here. And I'm sure everybody will have the opportunity afterward. I know some folks have come and a little beyond 11 now. I want to thank you. behalf of the family for joining us today as we think of Karen and her life and the confidence that we have to know that she's with her Savior. And uh, it's a great joy and a delight. And it's been quite a year for uh, the Jasco family, the Norris family, and uh, uh, it's been a delight to learn from them on how to care for uh, mothers and fathers and and uh, church family has learned a lot. And Joe, your perseverance through some real health challenges. And, um, we're sort of all connected that way. And we all learn from each other. And so just your, your persevering has been a blessing. So we're here to celebrate certainly uh, Karen and uh, the life of Christ in her. Certainly our, the Lord. And uh, we'll take some encouragement from our presence together. We'll take encouragement from some of the amazing themes of hymns that we'll sing together. And uh, we'll take some amazing encouragement from the word as we think about Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And hopefully we'll take great comfort and encouragement from that. And uh, for those of us who are growing a little older, I don't know if this is true of you, but heaven is getting more familiar for me. And and sort of surprising on how that's happening. I, you know, the people that we love and know the best are gathering there. And, you know, much of my life I'm thinking of my own mother who passed. And uh, yeah, I just remember, you know, my mom experiencing moments in life with just pure joy and delight. Just belly laughing, you know, just delighting in her grandkids. Just pure joy. And, and I think that, you know, where that was momentary here on earth and often spread too far apart. In heaven, it's her experience. It's her moment-to-moment -moment experience. So I can hear her laughing, and I can hear her delighting and joyful uh, as she's with her Savior, and certainly Karen's there. And who knows, maybe my mom's giving her the orientation. I've always wondered how long orientation class takes in heaven. Is that a year? Uh, is that 10 years? That's uh, a 1,000 years? I don't know, but... Uh, Jesus is there, and uh, that's the sweetness of heaven. So let's, we're going to bow for a word of prayer, and then Pastor Steve will come and, and uh, uh, lead us in some hymns. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We delight in the truth that Karen is with you uh, this morning. And we thank you that uh, the old body, the old, uh, as we're told, the old husk of the seed in 1 Corinthians 15, it had to die. Uh, uh, immortality cannot uh, be inherited by mortal bodies. They need to be uh, reworked. And we thank you, Jesus, that that is in her future. And we delight in that reality. And we thank you that uh, faith and grace was clearly evident in Karen's life, that she loved you, Jesus. And she encouraged us to do the same. And she lived a life uh, that witnessed of just being with God's people, being in church, <clears throat> loving her Bible, those things, Lord, we, we, we saw that, and we were taught by that, and we're so thankful for that. And I pray for Joe 
this morning, and uh, Samantha, Sean, and the family that are here, Darren's uh, uh, brother and, and their immediate family, we pray for their encouragement, uh, that they would know our condolences for sure, but they would also sense a, a hope that we have in Christ, and that they would know that uh, hope as we work hard at encouraging and loving each other today. So all these things, we gather them up and we lay them at your feet. We love you. We, we, we look forward to what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Pastor. Certainly want to give my condolences to the family as well. We're praying for you. I'm going to stand off to the side, and I believe that the hymns are going to be on the screen this morning. So we're going to sing two hymns that give us the reality of hope after we breathe our last, if we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know Karen uh, volunteered here at Grace Bible Day Camp and ministered over the years, and uh, she was interested very much in us knowing hope as children here, knowing hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she would want us to sing these truths that she clinged to and uh, trusted in trusted in her Savior. So let's stand together. We're going to sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, and then we will sing Here is Love. I'm going to stand off to the side, and we'll sing together. Never be forgotten throughout 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. His love is marvelous. It is glorious. And the Word of God tells us these things. And for those of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, like Karen did, we, we have a full and sure hope because of the truth that is ministered to us in the Word of God. And at this time, Sean is going to come, and he's going to read some scripture that we can cling to, that Karen clung to. And then after that, you'll probably be joined by your wife, I imagine, because you'll stay up here for her. So, Sean, come on up, and then, and then after that, Samantha, you'll give us some family memories. Okay, the first one is in uh, Deuteronomy 31.8. And uh, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And the next one is in Jeremiah 29.11. That's Samantha's life verse. <clears throat> It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you hope in a future. And then Romans 8.18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's something we've been thinking about a lot lately. And... Uh, it's something to grab a hold of. That it's it's not, you know. I, I get it. We're here and now, <laughs> but then, you know, we'll have a little bit better perspective. And uh, Romans eight thirty-seven through thirty-nine. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things that come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> and uh, I was thinking about that this morning related to Karen. You know, death certainly did not separate her from, from Christ. In fact, it was just a, an avenue to get there. And um, so that's the confidence we have. so nervous. <laughs> Don't worry, you know all these people. <laughs> I know, but I'm still nervous. <sighs> you know, some of you, this is not written on my paper, but I just want to share a few things. Some of you ask how I'm doing. I want to tell you, God is very good. Not just good, but very, very good. I'm amazed um, just how he has used my friends and family, my church family, just to support us, just, you know, sending me verse, you know, scripture and just to help me through because God knew that I wasn't going to remember everything that I needed. <laughs> um, the verses that Sean shared, those are some verses that people have sent me and I'm very, very thankful for them and thankful for God. Um, along this path, when mom was in the nursing home and then passed away, um, God was still very good. He was with me and still with me 
every day, holding my hand along the way. Um, I can't even explain it. It's just amazing, the comfort, um, not just through my brothers and sisters in Christ, but God's grace is sufficient in all of this. And then my dad having surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But again, God is very, very good. I can stand here and tell you. I couldn't say this before when mom was in the nursing home, even though I accepted that she had dementia and that she was in a nursing home. You know, it was, it was God's will for her to be there. God allowed all this to happen for a reason. God allowed for my dad to have surgery. You know, it's his perfect plan. It's his perfect gift to me and my family. And some of you might think perfect gift, you looked at it as the perfect gift, but it is because it's from God. You know, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. So one thing I want to share, <laughs> she'll probably smack me afterwards, but um, last Sunday, God, I mean, God didn't have to do this, but God encouraged me and my husband, Sean. She knows Jade and <laughs> my niece. She got saved a few months back. She walked in, in church Sunday morning, and I'm like, I'm like, what is she doing here? <laughs> but, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> yes, she's here today with us, praise God. And she will continue to come here, and I'll be discipling her. I'm looking forward to it, Jaden. I love you more than you know. Love you. So anyways, okay. Thank you, everyone, for coming. It means a lot to my family and I. I always told Sean and my parents that no one is going to croak before me. <laughs> I am going to die before you all. I said I have this special connection with God. We all would just laugh. So here I am to tell you, oh, what a blessing, what my mom, a blessing my mom was. She worked at Breckenridge for many years and then visiting angels, taking care of people in their homes. She had the joy of sharing Jesus with others. I remember all the times on the phone, story after story, how God gave her opportunities to talk to others about him. I can hear the joy in her voice as she was telling me. Mom had a couple of nicknames. Cookie was one of them. I think because she liked cookies so much, especially chocolate chip. And she loved dark chocolate. She would always hide some chocolate in her purse. And Dad and I would always get on our case about that. <laughs> it was funny. Her other nickname was Crazy Mama Penguin. I know, it's funny. Sean would always call her Crazy Mama. And then Penguin came in because she would waddle when she walked because of her bad knee. She would laugh when we said, come on, penguin, because she would walk slow. Her favorite word is joy. I asked why one day, because it stands for Jesus, others, and you. I loved it. It became my favorite word, too. But let me tell you, she lived out that word in her life. She was a great example to me, how she loved Jennifer and I, and how she loved my dad, not only through the good times, but also through the bad. She truly loved all her family. She was always praying for all of us. 
I'll never forget when I was going to college, she worked overtime to help me pay for that bill. And of course, dad helped too. And I remember, but I remember mom telling me, um, she just felt that was her calling at the time, you know, the work overtime to help me. Bless her heart. That true joy she had came only from Jesus, knowing him as her personal savior. I saw her read her Bible, spending time with him. That's where her joy came from. So I am thankful and happy to say, without a doubt, my mom is in heaven with her Lord and Savior. She got the greatest Christmas present ever. She's lucky. I know I will see her again someday. That is my joy through all of this. How do I know she really is there? Because sometime in her life, she realized who she was before God. She was a sinner without Jesus. She repented of her sin and put her faith in Jesus Christ alone. She asked Jesus to save her. I know she would want me to tell you that she is not in heaven because she's a good person. And she's not in heaven because she tried to be a good person every day. Oh, I lost my spot. Thank you. She's not in heaven because she went to church. She's not in heaven because she prayed to God or because she believed God exists. She's in heaven because she accepted Jesus Christ as a savior. She gave her life over to him. He was her Lord over her life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, Psalm 28.7, I believe that was mom's verse. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. My king is known by mercy and grace. My king is known by the cross. My king is known by his love and the power to save. Samantha, as our real joy and delight, some windows into the life of Karen, perhaps something you never knew, and I didn't know that she was crazy, crazy ping, crazy mama penguin, amen, that's a great legacy, I, I uh, encouraged so much by her, her heart, her, her life, and uh, that's evidence in the family. So I can take your Bibles if you have them, or our device, and we're going to take some time now to really uh, center our thinking around truths from the Bible. I know probably many of us could say a word or two about Karen and her impact on our life and just her love for the Lord and her faithfulness. Um, but I know that she would want us to take really a, a balance of time and talk about Jesus and who he is. Samantha already made plain and clear uh, why we believe Karen is in heaven, uh, and uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit more in this passage. And so, John chapter 11, 
John chapter 11. I remember John chapter 11, sort of my little finger play, and I think Karen would appreciate this, and she loved kids. It's, you know, John chapter 11, I think of boing, I think of resurrection, right? Two, two, number, there's your 11, and it's always been easy to remember John chapter 11, uh, where Jesus is proclaiming, I am the resurrection and the life, and a very powerful declaration, uh, and uh, a declaration that uh, Karen life was uh, greatly impacted by. So we're going to read verses 10 through 27. I know that's a little bit of an extended portion of it. Uh, we could certainly read the whole chapter. I'll be referring to the whole chapter, and, uh, but uh, it'll at least uh, catch us up here with this reading. So beginning in verse number 10, but if anyone walks during the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, that's Jesus, and after this he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going so that, you, that I may awaken him from sleep. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will come out of it. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about actual sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus died. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's, go, let's also go so that we may die with him. Uh, typically Thomas misses the point, and here he seems to be true to form. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, the he there being Lazarus. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 stadia away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So then Martha, when he, she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, and this is critical, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me as I intend them to believe, we could add that ellipsis, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. Let's bow for a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's help as we look at this passage together this morning. Lord Jesus, we delight in the I Am statements in the book of John. You took great pains to communicate to us that it would, when it comes to the eternal concerns of the soul of man, you are everything. You are bread. You are living water. You are a vine and we are branches. 
You are light, the light of the world. You are a shepherd who is infinitely and eternally good. Perhaps the mountaintop of those expressions are the one we have before us in John 11, that you are the resurrection and the life. So, Lord, and, uh, we thank you for the clarity of Karen's life, the clarity of her testimony. And as we unpack who you are, Lord Jesus, uh, we know that we do this at her request and desire and certainly the request and desire of the family. I pray that those who know Jesus would find great comfort this morning. Those who have yet to come to know you, Jesus, uh, to believe, as you encouraged Martha to do in this text, that, that, that they would be warmed in their soul, that the Spirit of God would begin to do a work in their life, and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I know uh, that would delight Karen, and it would certainly delight you, Lord Jesus. So we commend these things into your care, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we uh, think of uh, Karen's life, I, I want to share with you a startling statistic. Are you ready? This is startling. 100% of everyone who lived before 1890 has experienced physical death. Every single one of them, except for perhaps Jesus himself, although we told he did die. Maybe we would throw in there Enoch, maybe Elijah. But with a very few exceptions, well nigh unto 100% have experienced physical death. Our dear friend Karen has now joined their ranks, and we're saddened by that, and we miss her. Uh, Karen uh, points up the reality that life is so short. It truly is, and, and reversals in health are so very, very real. Everyone dies. And it is always tragic. You know, circumstances surrounding death may make it more or less tragic, but my friends, I think you would agree that death is always tragic. And everyone dies. So the profound question that funerals like this leave the, li the living with is, am I ready to die? Right? If 100% of the people experience it, and life is short, and eternity is an awful long time. The question we want to address, and I think Jesus addresses here in John 11, is are we ready to die? It's a very simple one. It's a very profound one. And there's a lot of confusion out there with respect to the question, am I ready to die? Well, Jesus cuts through all of that, and he's going to bring us some clarity. To deal with this problem of death, Jesus comes in humanity. He is the God-man. He comes in the fullness of all that it means to be human to once for all deal with this arch enemy that we have, this grand problem of death. In John 11, Jesus walks right into the lion's lair and humiliates the ravenous beast called death with a simple spoken word. And the people of God say, Amen. Right? If it's a fight, it's not a fair fight with death. Because Jesus is the infinite, eternal, all-powerful God, creator of the universe. And he's going to best it. And he did it. We'll see that here. Um, surprisingly, though, this exercise of divine power is set in elegant simplicity. And 
I often think of Karen as being elegantly simple, or elegant simplicity. Uh, it does not come with trumpet and fanfare and great bluster. No, it comes in the simplicity of Martha and Mary, two single women who have lost a beloved brother. In the context of such tender, raw emotions, and they're tender, and they are raw, and they're very real, Jesus gently consoles, but he gently consoles with truth. And this is the truth, folks, that Jesus himself is the exclusive source of eternal life. And faith, faith alone, is the exclusive means for salvation. That's the truth. And that's the truth that can console your heart this morning. So in so doing, Jesus, first of all, he speaks plainly about death. We read that in verse 14. We, uh, specifically, it says Jesus spoke plainly about the reality. Remember, he, he tried to use a metaphor, a metaphor that's apt from heaven's perspective, a metaphor that's apt in application to the believing remnant of people, that Lazarus was simply asleep. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. That death for the believer is the moment in time where uh, that human individual, in our case, Karen, steps finally into rest. Rest with her beloved Savior. And all the things that cause anxiety and challenge, the tears of life, the difficulty, the confusion, all of the things that cause us to be awake at night and be sleepless, our, our health, all of that is gone in a moment of time. So from heaven's perspective, sleep is an appropriate metaphor. But of course, our, our disciples, and if we were there, we probably wouldn't have gotten it. You know, they thought, well, if he's just asleep, Lord, then he'll come out of it and everything will be fine. Well, no, that's not the human reality. Uh, this question of death from the human perspective is a different matter. And Jesus, of course, being divine, being human, expresses them both. And he says, no, the human reality is Lazarus is in fact dead. And he clarifies this, and he leaves no room for misconception or misunderstandings. Jesus speaks plainly about death, folks. You know, uh, Death is, is, is a challenging thing. Nobody likes to speak plainly about it. Even when I come up here to preach from the Word of God, and this is the reality that we're, the occasion for which we're speaking, it's a difficult thing. It's a challenging thing. Uh, and and there are a lot of there's a lot of confusion out there, but Jesus will always speak plainly, he'll always speak clearly, and he'll always have the permanent answer. So Jesus does not skirt or deny the impending appointment that he had. He faces it with the power of divinity, and he deals with it. So Jesus speaks plainly about death, but he also sorrows over death. This is our second point this morning, a simple observation from not only the verses we read, but the whole of the chapter. You know, Jesus does not handle death simply as a mere intellectual exercise, as some maybe would sort of a stoic death is death it is what it is I've heard people say it's part of nature it's you know uh, all kinds of different things that people their concept or the way they handle death um, no Jesus sorrows over death he doesn't handle it simply intellectually 
He understands death in, in a deep, intimate, and personal way. He knows death is an invader. It's an invader on the human experience. Death was never meant to be. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Death is an invader on the human experience because of sin. God never intended death. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for that. So when Jesus came from heaven into human experience, he saw the results of death all around. We know that our dear friend Kieran, you know, suffered from dementia. For those of you that have wrestled with that and loved ones, you know how difficult of a disease that is. That, that's a function of that old creature called death. And it's so sad and it's so difficult. And the grieving process lasts for so long. Joe's went through that, and the family. And, and, and Jesus would put his arm around you, and he would say, I'm so sorry about that. I never intended it to be that way. And it's so, so sad. It is death that caused great sorrow for Jesus. You know, Jesus never wept bitterly in the face of demons. Demons were no problem. <laughs> no, no issue in that sense. He never wept bitterly in the face of disease, not like he did here. He never, he never got overly emotional about weather disasters or even the fact of poverty and, and hunger. He never wept bitterly over any of that. Why here? Well, we could argue perhaps that those things we just mentioned are not final in and of themselves from a human perspective. They're still at least life. There's still certainly more stories to be told in those situations. But it is the finality of death in the human experience that is so, so troubling and so very difficult. From a simple human perspective, Death is nothing but loss. It's nothing but loss. We no longer will see Karen smile. We'll no longer hear her laugh. We'll no longer see her waddle. It just seems like a loss. And there's no getting that back, it would seem. There's no sorrow so pointed in the human condition as losing a loved one. I think we would all agree with that. Regardless of any possible noble spin that may be put on death, it is always difficult. It is always tragic. And Jesus felt this way. He felt this. Verses 33 and 38, uh, there's a Greek word there. Uh, uh, I think our text says he was deeply moved in spirit there in those verses. The, the Greek word there is that he had an intense, strong feeling of concern, often with the implication of indignation. You know what indignation means? Indignation means anger at the unfairness of something. Verse 33, we're told that Jesus was troubled at this moment. This is another Greek word. Uh, it, it, it can mean figuratively to cause acute emotional distress, turbulence. This has a focus on the mental reality of death and its challenge. And then verse 35, that famous expression, Jesus wept. The God of the universe weeps the sadness of the human condition. We're sorry about that. 
the sorrow of Mary and the mourners. These are God's image bearers. They're in such agony. Jesus grieves for us and with us. He is God come in the flesh. And it is this that makes him a, a faithful, faithful high priest. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Joe, Sean, Samantha, the family, Jennifer, know that Jesus has felt all of the emotional upheaval of the past year. Very intimately understanding of that. So Jesus speaks plainly of death. He sorrows over death. And the good news is Jesus smashes death. Now I was trying to come up with a good S here. And I thought this was appropriate. I'm, I'm a guy who loves to smash things. I played football as a young man growing up and I loved to smash the ball carrier. Things that were, fewer things that were pure delight. Here Jesus smashes the power of death. Don't you love that? He smashes it right in the teeth. It's like, you know. What seemed to be so final is no longer final at all. The coming of Jesus Christ. Are you familiar with the idea of hermetically sealed? Are you familiar with that idea? Well, if you're not, here's a little bit of a definition. A hermetically sealed container or space is so tightly closed that no air can leave or enter it. Figuratively, it can mean uh, to be separated and protected from, a, from very different conditions outside in an unnatural way. Now, something unnatural has to happen in order for a hermetic seal to be sealed, if I can use that word. A machine has to suck all the air out, and you have to you know, cover it real fast or something. Um, Jesus smashed the seal off the grave. There was no hermetic seal that he could not smash. You know, when you hand the jar of pickles to someone stronger than you are, and they try to, un, <clears throat> un, uh, to loosen it, and they're incapable, what do they typically do? What do you do? Yeah, you bang it on the ground. You know, you bang it on the countertop, and then it opens up. You know, this is what Jesus is doing to the death. He just... <clears throat> And he opens up, and he commands the stone to be rolled away. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And guess what happens? Lazarus comes forth. He's no longer a pickle in the pickle jar that can't be accessed, and neither is Karen. She is joyfully in heaven with her Lord awaiting the resurrection, the physical resurrection of the body. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those of us who are familiar with our Bible understand this is a reference to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses asked Jehovah God, who should I say has sent me? And he says, I am has sent you. Jesus is the great I am. I am. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. These are two separate but very complementary ideas. I am the resurrection is later clarified by I'm the resurrection even if he or she dies. I'm still the resurrection. This resurrection therefore refers to the final bodily resurrection of the believers. Karma and incarnation are not the answer, my friends. Absorbing back into the cosmos is not the answer. Annihilation is not the answer. No glorious bodily resurrection is the only answer secured by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Karen knew that, and Karen possessed that, and she had that. We're told here, Jesus also says, I am the life. 
This idea is further explained in verse 26, uh, uh, that there's a sense in which this life will never die. And there's a sense in which Karen never died. And that sense is that when she was born again, God gave her a, a new disposition, a new longing. We call it a new nature to love God with all of her heart, soul, and mind and to love others as herself. She, she was liberated from the chokehold on her own self-interest and that new spiritual life beginning at the point of being born again never died and will never die. Jesus is the source author of both bodily resurrection and new spiritual life in this time. What a great joy. What a great this reality. This is the renewable energy resource. And I saw it in Karen. I saw her, we call it growing in grace and in the knowledge of her wonderful Lord and Savior, the changes, the challenges that came into her life. Uh, these things, um, she grew. She matured in her faith. This spiritual life, this seed was planted in her that became evident to all. That was so contrary to what this world is all about, which is the almighty eye, right? The middle letter of sin is shared by the middle letter of pride. And Karen could live a life that was contrary to that. And those who believe Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have the ability to do the same. And I saw it. I saw it. I saw it, absolutely. Um, and then finally this morning... Jesus smashes the power of death, yes, but he seeks faith. Faith, my friends, is the exclusive means of this relationship to God through Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of confusion with respect to this idea. Jesus, over and over and over and over, I think four or five times in this passage, asks the question, do you believe? Do you believe? Believe me. Believe me. It's very instructive, folks, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, believe and hope that your goods outweigh your bads. Believe and be moral enough so that you think God will think that you're good enough to get into heaven. He's not interested in any of that. The Bible says, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You're going to burn in the place of judgment, a place called hell. And that's a sad reality. But know, know this, that God prepared that for Satan and his demons. He doesn't want anybody to go there. But that is the appropriate judgment for those who make the everlasting eye the idol of their life. And the rejection of the amazing love of God in the person of his son, who, by the way, had to die sin and for mine. So it's no wonder that God judges in such a fashion. It's no wonder. So the question for us this morning is Jesus in this moment of death seeks faith. He seeks people to believe. To believe what? Well, to believe that he is the resurrection and the life. He's the one who will save you from the judgment of God now, you will not be separated from God forever. He's the resurrection. You will raise again from the dead. Dead, the hermetics, the her, hermit, I got to say that right, the hermetic seal of death is broken for you if 
you surrender your life in faith to the Lordship of Jesus Christ once and for all. The Bible uses the term born again. Karen was born again. She had a spiritual birth date. You need a spiritual birth date. And he's the life. Do you believe that? You know, some of us think, well, we know how to live life. We've got it all together, and we've got it all figured out. And, beloved, that's so untrue and so sad. You don't have life figured out. You don't. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. Jesus will so change you that he will make you welcome the authority of God in your life, authority from outside of yourself, and you will begin to understand that, man, I don't know where human flourishing exists. Only God does. He's infinite and eternal in the creator, and he knows where those, mo those places of human flourishing are, and he's going to take you there by his grace and his powers. He wrestles with our character, of course. That's what he's all about changing us into the image of Christ. So, this morning, we're thankful that Jesus speaks plainly about death, aren't we? We're thankful that Jesus is sorrowful about death. He doesn't handle it simply intellectually and platonically. He understands it's been a difficult way, family. It's been hard. Uh, we're thankful that, that he smashes death. He's broken the seal. That's just a beautiful and delightful reality. If, and he seeks not your works, not the pulling of yourself up by your own bootstraps, not the betterment of all that you are. He's not seeking that. He's not interested in that. He's interested in you exercising faith and belief in him as expressed in his word of the Bible. So that's it. So with that, uh, Karen, I did my best. <laughs> you know, there it is. And uh, Samantha and Sean, I did my best. And, and um, hope Karen gives me a hug when I get to heaven for sharing the gospel, and I believe she will, and uh, thankful for that. So with that said, um, let's have a word of prayer, and then Pastor Steve will come up and lead us in a hymn and dismiss us. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for the joy of this passage of scripture. I pray that those who know you, and particularly the family, uh, would have been Encouraged, And for those who don't know you, Lord Jesus, uh, I know I speak with the, the heart and mind of, of Karen that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior and help them to see the simplicity of it this morning. And uh, join us here at Grace as we try to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. going to sing the truths that Pastor Kent just spoke of from God's Word. The song is called Complete in Thee, and there's a few words that are repeated. One of them is that those who believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life are justified, Amen. and that word justified simply means that we have been declared legally right with God, Amen. and we're legally right with God because we are forgiven of our sins because the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin who knew no sin and we have his righteousness who you and I who do not have righteousness of our own and so that's what we're singing about another word that we'll hear a couple times is that not only are we justified but we're sanctified and that means that Jesus through the spirit of God 
has set us apart for God's glory. And we start to look like that a little bit every day. And we will finally be that way when we're with Jesus like Karen is. And so we're going to sing those truths and then we'll close in a word of prayer and dismiss, okay? So would you stand with me? We'll sing two verses of Complete in Thee.
and life. And oh Lord, we do pray that if there is one here this morning that does not know the way, that they would see simply that Jesus says, I am. If there's one here this morning that cannot feel that there's life after death, that they would simply cling to the one who conquered death and now gives life. Oh, because he is the life and he is the sure resurrection. So Lord, we're thankful and we entrust our souls to you. We pray that you would continue to comfort dear Joe. We think of the, the test results that uh, frankly are looming over his, his soul even today as he um, mourns but yet rejoices. Mourns in the fact that 52 years of, of knowing and loving and, and being married to Karen are, are now gone. But rejoicing that you will see, allow them to see each other again and and all those, those tears will go because they will both see Jesus. Lord, we do pray, though, for Joe's health. We pray that you would give clear results to the tests that come and that you would give him grace and comfort for anything that you have for him in the days as he walks to be faithful for you. We pray that you would comfort Samantha and all of the family Lord, we love you. We pray that you would uh, give us a good time now of encouraging this family. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for your patience. And uh, I know some of you did not get a chance to say uh, your condolences and give a hug to the, the family. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if Mrs. Hobie, if you don't mind playing a little bit at the end here, and if the family would just kind of come back up here, if that's okay. We do need to make it brief because there is a family meal afterwards. And as you can already tell, it's been cooking. Uh, it's made us all a little hungry this morning. Uh, and so if, if you did not get a chance to uh, give your condolences and give a hug to the family, uh, as uh, maybe Pastor Ken, if you don't mind, and I can help with that, uh, as we dismiss, we'll dismiss from the back to the front. And you can just come forward very quickly, give your your condolences to them, and then the family will be uh, uh, having a lunch, a, a private lunch here uh, in the fellowship hall. Okay? All right, so thank you so much for coming. On behalf of Grace Church of Menor, and certainly on behalf of the, the family, we're very deeply uh, moved that you came to comfort and uh, give hugs today. And Lord bless you, and may you know the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So family, you come on up, and then we will dismiss as uh, the pianist plays. Thank you so much. Being up here, I get...